This morning, I want you to understand that the whole book of James is about growing up. In fact, the theme of maturing is all through these chapters. It doesn't matter how old you are, and it doesn't matter how long you've been saved. We need to keep growing. If you're a son or daughter of God today, James is a book that instructs us quite powerfully on how to keep growing in Christ. And this morning, I want to have you look with me at all twelve, the first 12 verses, but let's start by reading verse 2. My brethren, count it all joy when ye fall into diverse temptations. Now, Father, help me as we spend this very precious time around your word. Lord, I'm convinced that in my life and heart, I need this message, and I'm sure it's true for all my, my family here in Christ. Bless, and we, Lord, remember that 22 years ago, I was sitting right where I normally sit in chapel when the faculty, staff, and students were told about the first tower. It was during chapel. Lord, help us not to forget. And thank you for those that literally are laying their life down right now to protect our freedom. We pray for our president. Thank you for Brother Bill. Please give him safety and health. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. I want you to notice uh, just four simple thoughts as we go through these verses. If you are in the place in your life that you're really starting to grow and you're trying to grow, this message will connect four ways. But if you're immature and you're not willing to listen to James and to the Holy Spirit, you'll stumble at every point. The very first point I want to make in verse 2 is God wants us, when we're facing temptations, to have... And this, this starts out seemingly impossible. God wants you to have a joyous heart, particularly when temptations come. Now, let me clarify. The word temptations here used by James, Brother Ogle reminded us in verse 14, that every man is tempted... But God cannot be tempted, verse 13. Neither tempteth he any man. The word, it can be a trial, but when our King James translators use it, it's normally referring to a trial to do evil. The temptation is questioning, challenging your faith and my faith. I I don't know of anyone in this room, especially the one behind the pulpit, that does not constantly face temptations. Is there anyone here breathing? But I want to share some things that God's helped me with. Boy, August was a rough month for my wife and I. Just things. Many of my brothers and sisters in this room. You may be, you know the old saying, you're either leaving a, a trial and test, You're in the middle of a trial and test, or you're about to get in one. So if I were all of us, I'd listen to this message because God so meticulously, step by step, wants to encourage his children. We will face temptations. That's a guarantee. That's a promise. You can't run far enough away. The only time you and I will never, ever face another temptation is when? When we're with Jesus in heaven. You know, Paul said in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, there hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you're able, but will with the temptation 
make a way of escape that ye may be able to bear it. That's a totally different message. But again, it reminds me, if you're saved and you're breathing, temptation's here, temptation's coming. Well, I want you to notice this joyful heart. Why would James say, my brethren, count it all joy when ye fall into diverse temptations? You've heard this before, let me repeat it. It does not say if. It's a guarantee that to be a believer and to be alive is a guarantee of temptations. But James says, count it all joy. He starts with where God's goal is for all of us today. And many of us just aren't there. You struggle with these temptations, these trials of your faith. Satan is always looking at wearing us down. He always seems to know what area he can poke at. Because you'll see in just a minute, as all the apostles seem to talk about, not only are temptations a common occurrence, but James lifts it up to a level that I just love. He says, look, temptation's here, right? Temptation's about, listen, when you get up tomorrow, who knows what you're going to be facing? What mom and dad (coughs) are going to be facing? What we as local churches are going to be facing? But James says, number one, just be joyful. Uh, Now, guys, if we were honest, we'd go, I'm having a hard time with this, Brother Spencer. Well, pay attention. Pay attention to the Word of God. You can get, listen, God wants to guarantee you, if you're His son or daughter today, temptations are coming, but you need to, as a maturing believer, stop immediately and say, I'm going to rejoice. Not because I understand how this is going to turn out. And Father, I'm not sure how I'm going to get through this, but I trust you, and so I want to rejoice. A joyful heart. Now notice he says, count it all joy. That word count, that phrase count it, is an accounting term. In other words, an accountant, what do they do all day? They write numbers down. They look at numbers. They, they add, subtract. They, that's exactly how God wants all of us this morning to understand. If we're part of his family, and t- he says, look, children, temptations are going to be constantly coming at you. I want you by faith to trust me as your father in heaven. It's going to turn out okay. In fact, why don't you give me glory and praise now by showing me a joyful, willing heart? Boy, I don't know about you guys, but I'd have to do that by faith. Because some of you right now, you came to chapel today. I don't know what happened to you this weekend. I don't know what's been going on in your life since we said goodbye last spring. But there are a number of my brothers and sisters that are going through difficult temptations. Again, Not that you want to do evil, but it's a test. It's a test of your walk with God. Number two, notice in verse three, God's goal here as we grow is to have a joyful heart, but also an understanding mind. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. Now that ETH ending class, ETH ending on a verb in our Bible is telling us what? It's always going on. And listen, the fact that we have temptations, God says, I want you to get the right mindset right now about what you're being tested about, what you're being tried for. The first thing he tells us is that faith will always be tested. The word trying there is not exactly, it's not the same word translated 
tempt or temptation in this chapter. That word trying means simply to prove, to test. And so what God's telling us as I'm moving quickly is whenever temptations come, and they're here. For most of us, they're here now. Some of us, we just got through a heart-wrenching trial of our faith, temptation. Others, well, get up tomorrow. But here's the neat thing. God says, I want you to learn to be thankful and rejoicing in your heart. Oh, yes, many different kinds of temptations are coming, but put it down. God says, you're my child. I've got your back. We're going to get through this. Rejoice with God. Thank him. Number two, you stop and you have an understanding mind, knowing that the process of you and I going through these trials, these temptations, is God's way of testing our faith. You see, it's the trying of our faith, not just faith. A lot of us, when we're young and we're needing more maturing, we think, I'll just trust God. That's a good thing. But guess what God says? Your faith has to be tested. It has to be tried. Why? Because a tested faith is a trusted faith. And notice it says it's working all the time patience. That word patience there. <coughs> is the word that means to remain under. You're willing because you are growing and listening to this message. You're saying, Father, I don't understand all the things that work, but I know you're working in my life right now. And I am willing to understand because of your word that what's happening to me now will help me learn to remain under. Uh, here's, a, here's a good synonym for patience, endurance. Endurance. You know, the thing that um, Bible college really was a uh, smack in the face for me. I grew up in a good Christian home, was always in church. But there's something about leaving home for a whole school year. I mean, it's like camp on steroids. And then it's ambassador. I mean, when you came to Barnabas, how many of you went to Barnabas? Yeah, 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 a lot of you. I mean, did, now I've been here a long time. I don't think when you come in the first day, they hand you a rule book, right? Not nearly like the one. You know, we have a freshman orientation all year long, don't we? Don't we? What's that about? I thought, honestly, I just figured out last week, you have orientation all school long. I thought it was just like one time, like four hours when you first came. No. And you're, you're always talking about rules. Well, they didn't do that at Barnabas. They're doing it now. But the rules that we're trying to... Listen, God's going to share some rules in this message. He says, look, I know temptations come. I didn't do, do it to you. Satan is in the world and your flesh are always trying to lay traps for you. But he said, I want you to rejoice. Because if you'll grow and follow my rules here, you're going to make it. In fact, you're going to be stronger. You're going to learn endurance. Now listen... Being patient doesn't mean you just give up. That's what I've done. In my more immature days, that was my goal. I just quit. I just give up. Patience is not a passive resignation, but a courageous perseverance. You see, when you learn, as you're learning now, and you're maturing, patience, you know, mature Christians are patient and persistent. A lot of times you've learned as you become young adults more of the patience. But you know what? God's going to show you this morning. You've got to fight on. You've got to be persistent. Someone said, and I love this, life is 10% 
of what actually happens to you and 90% how you respond. Boy, I tell you, ask the upperclassmen here today what they've been learning in their two, three, fourth year. Oh, yeah. And the faculty aren't any different. Just because we're older, well, isn't older wiser sometimes? But God's still teaching me. I'm never too old to grow. How about you? Number one, God wants us to have a joyous heart. Number two, an understanding mind. You need to understand this morning that that trial temptation you're going through, God says it's going to work patience. At least that's God's goal for you. And God's not saying you quit. You don't lay in your bed and moan and cry. You get up and with the strength of Christ, you say, not only am I willing to endure, but I'm moving forward. Number three, notice verse four. God wants you and I to have a surrendered will. See, this is where sometimes people like me fall down on this. James says, but let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. The old prayer, and we kind of smile, Lord, give me patience and give it now. We're all guilty of that. But God's got step by step, your and my way of getting through this. By the way, our goal is verse 12. Something that you may have to wait, you will have to wait, and I hope I wait and get, it's called the crown of life. Now that's our goal before we're done today. Something that we may not actually see in this life, but can you imagine standing in the presence of your Savior and the Lord Jesus gives you one of the five crowns, the crown of life. You see, trials are not temptations and trials are not the same thing as maturity. That's God's goal for us. But a lot of us, because we're too immature and we're not responding very carefully to the temptations that are hitting us. He says, it's the trying of your faith that worketh patience. And you've got to let patience finish the job. Notice that you may be perfect, mature. Again, that's the whole theme of James. But he goes on to say, an entire That word entire means complete in your Christian life, complete in form, wanting nothing, lacking nothing. Now, did you hear that? We all want to be lacking nothing. You're not going to get there, neither am I. God says you're not going to get there if you don't learn how to respond every time to the trials and temptations that are coming your way. You know, uh, Peter talks about trials Um, and temptations. And the word tribulation is not the same word. We all have tribulation too. That that word means suffering. This temptation may not initially cause suffering, but it's causing you to see the next point. God wants us to have a wise soul. This is where I think a lot of you young people are. You've been trying to be joyful and you ask God, Lord, this is difficult in my life. But I want a good spirit. I want a joyful heart. God, I'm learning as I am this morning in chapel. Brother Spencer's trying to help us. Yes, have an understanding mind. Yes, Lord, I want to have a surrendered will. I'm afraid, Lord, I haven't been as willing to let patience finish her work in my life. But Lord, my goal is to have a wise soul. You see, young people... The, the goal in verse 5, if any of you lack wisdom, wisdom about what? Trials, temptations. The word 
Wisdom is a beautiful word. Wisdom is not knowledge. They're different. Brother Hanke can tell you, teaching Old Testament, what a beautiful thought that is. Knowledge, yes, you go to Bible college, you go to college, you're supposed to get knowledge. But did you know, in the midst of learning so many things about God and, and the Bible and, and just world events, there's something that you need and I need far more than knowledge. All the knowledge in the world won't get us out of supernatural temptations. But wisdom can. And so when we're entering in the middle or exiting, we, especially when that temptation has grabbed you, Paul's words in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, there hath no temptation taken you. That verbal phrase, taken you, literally means it comes up behind you and grabs you. You didn't see it coming. You didn't want it. That's how temptation hits us, guys. And right when we're struggling, sometimes we begin to suffer. God says, ask for wisdom. Number sub one, what do we ask for? Wisdom. Proverbs 9, 10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy is understanding. But notice again in verse 5, what do we go to God for when we're really in the middle of that temptation that's really destroying our faith in God? Making us wonder, were my parents right? Is this school right? God, I'm not sure about who I am or what I want to do with my life. Go to God, ask for wisdom. Who do we ask? God. I want to make it very clear James didn't say, if any of you lack wisdom, let him go to Bible college. Let him read a book. Let him get a degree. Let him go to a blog. Oh, I've got it. Let him go to his freshman roommate. We're we're to go directly to our father and we're to ask him for wisdom. I love the way James tells us God will respond to us. That giveth, E-T-H ending, God is willing. He will give you, as long as you ask, He will keep giving you wisdom. But notice, liberally, as many preachers have pointed out, this is the only time you can accuse God, your Father, of being liberal. But the word here literally means bountifully. So I, in my childlike faith, I go to God and say, God, this temptation, it's troubling me. I am far too inadequate to deliver myself. God, I know I understand more now that I've been in college three weeks, but Lord, I need wisdom. God says, I got it for you. I got it. I got just what you need. I've got how we're going to get through this together. But notice he says, not just liberally, but he abradeth not. Abradeth means to reproach, to revile, to insult. You know, God... Of all the personalities in the universe, to me, in my human, frail way of thinking, and I think it's what's caused me in my my Christian life growing up, not to go to God. I was embarrassed. I was humiliated by what sin had done in my life, how I gave in to that temptation. But you know what God says? Joel, come anyway. Ask. I won't say, I told you so. You knucklehead. What's wrong with you, my daughter? You're such another hissy fit, huh? God doesn't talk to us like that. Can I get an amen? Amen. You know what our father says? Just come. Ask for wisdom. 
I want you to be okay in life. I want you to get through this temptation, this trial of your faith. I won't upbraid you. But notice he says how to ask in verse 6. But let him or her ask in faith. You know what faith means. It means belief, trust, assurance. Nothing wavering. This is what I struggle, have struggled with, still do. I'm learning. I'm growing. God, when I come to you and I ask for help and I ask for wisdom, and you've said you're going to give it liberally, and you're not going to revile me. You're not going to upbraid me. God, I'm trusting you. Help me not to waver. The word waver means to separate, to decide. In other words, well, I'm coming to you. No, I'm not. God, I'd like to. I'm not sure I need to do. That's wavering. But notice he goes on. Let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven. That word driven means exactly what it says. It steers you. It guides you. Your lack and my lack of faith of trusting in our Father right now in this temptation, if we're not careful, we'll go back. No, I'm not sure. And it will eventually drive you, hurl you in a direction you don't want to go because if you do not stop that, you will become driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. God says, you must trust me enough to come and ask, listen to my wisdom, and stay on course. Otherwise, you're going to be like a wave, back and forth. And then look at this. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. This is why we ask. Not what we, just what we ask, not who we ask, not how to ask, but fourthly, also, why we ask. We ask so we don't stay unstable. In my Bible, I wrote in the margin, unpredictable. Boy, is that true of my life. God says, if you're not careful, and every time you've come to me, as in your more immature days, and you came, but then you backed off. You came and said, now, God, I need help. And I promise you, but you got up off your knees, and within hours, days, you began to go back to your way. Or you went back to your freshman roommate. Or you looked on a blog. Instead of opening James chapter 1, getting on your knees like I have to do, and just saying, God, as best I know how, I do love you, I do trust you, and I need your wisdom. I've got knowledge. Oh, my word, I can open my phone. And there's all kinds of knowledge there. But, Father, this is my temptation, and I need your personal touch. You promised me, Lord, you'd help me. You'd give me wisdom and you wouldn't revile me. Lord, I'm coming. Help me not to be unstable. You know, when he says a double-minded man is unstable in his prayer life, his romance, his driving skills, his ability to get great. No, what does it say? He becomes unpredictable in all his way. See, this is what Satan and the world try to do. They may get you and I to be tempted to cause us to stumble in one area, but listen, if we're not careful, that could end up being a life of constant instability, unpredictability. In fact, can I read you <coughs> from the lexicon all the synonyms about being unstable? Unsteady, wobbly, rickety, shaky, tottering, unsafe, 
unbalanced, unreliable, changeable, likely to give away, collapsing. Boy, that's what Satan would love for us. I mean, it may seem like a little thing that you came to school and that temptation, it's poking at you. But you see, if you and I don't go to God and say, God, I believe with all my heart you'll help me. I want to stay focused by faith on what your wisdom will say to me. I need out of this, Lord. God will do it. In fact, um, you young adults, since you've been here, there already may be some temptations and trials that God's already given you a victory over. But there's many of us we're facing. And by the way, there'll be more. I guess the message isn't so much you turning triumphs into trials as it is God. But like everything else, God made us in His image and He gave us free will. You see, we need to go to God and ask for wisdom so we don't demand immature responses, immature demands of God. No, we let patience have her perfect work. We go to God and ask for wisdom so we don't become double-minded and unstable in all our ways. We go to God and ask for wisdom so we won't be unstable, unruly. That's what it's translated in chapter 3, verse 8. But we go to God and ask for wisdom. So we, here's the positive thing. We can receive that crown of life. What James is saying in verses 9, 10, and 11 is it doesn't matter if you're poor and lowly in society. It doesn't matter if you're saved and rich and got it all together. Every believer of low degree, wealthy, of status, all of us are going to face temptation. You don't get out of it because you are from a Christian home. You don't get out of it because, well, you grew up in America. You don't get out of it because, well, my family was poor. No, I come from a well-to-do family. It doesn't matter. All God's children, life has a way of taking from us. Every believer is going to face temptation. Look what he says. He said, let the brother of low degree rejoice in that he is exalted, but the rich and that he is made low because as the flower of the grass, he shall pass away for the sun is no sooner risen with a burning heat, but it withereth the grass and the flower thereof faileth and the grace of the fashion of it perisheth. So also shall the rich man fade away in his ways. Every believer faces temptations. But look as he concludes in verse 12. Blessed is the man that endureth temptation. For when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. This morning, if you're growing and you want to continue to grow, and you'd like to, if Jesus tarries him, you get to be an old guy like me, I don't think our Lord's going to tarry that long. I'm just telling you my personal prediction. I just don't believe Jesus is long, folks, from taking us home. But should life pass that quickly and ask any of the faculty, it's passed quickly for us. Wouldn't your goal, really, regardless of what the temptations have been, and some of you have been through some very, very, very difficult times. If I was God, I'm not. I'm not I know him. He's my father. But more, the more pawpaw I get, 
believe me, if I had the power for you young people and I heard about your heartbreaking trial and temptation, oh, I'd, I'd snap my finger. I'd take it away from you. But you know what? That's not the best thing for us. God says, listen, during life, I'll do something for you. I can't promise to lost people. You know, bad things happen to lost people. Terrible things happen to lost people. But unlike them, they have no resource to turn their trials into triumphs. We do. Question is, have you been paying attention? Have you been listening to your father? Have you been willing by faith to go to him and take something? And guys, I don't know what all of you are facing. Sometimes when I get to meet you and I get to hear your life story, I go away thinking, wow, Lord, every time I see that guy, every time I see that young lady, I'm going to think of your triumphs for them. You got them through that, Lord. What a great testimony that is to me. Don't you want to give back at your Savior's feet a crown? Don't you want something to say, Lord, you gave this to me only because you helped me with all my trials and temptations I laid at your feet, Lord Jesus. I, uh, last year, someone showed me this. This is uh, not meant to be funny. Um, <clears throat> they introduced me and I looked it up this morning. Much to, And this is why I don't like uh, live streaming. I don't say this because I don't want anyone out there to misunderstand. But last year, we were talking about uh, the, the darkness engulfing our culture. And I mentioned that uh, Satanism and demonic witchcraft is all around us. And I mentioned Ouija boards. Last year, a student told me about this. I looked it up this morning. It's still for sale. It's called the Holy Spirit Board Game. It, um, I won't say any more than that, but when I looked it up, uh, at the top, across the top banner, Brother Lindsay, was nothing but Ouija boards. Then, the Holy Spirit board game. Let me read you what it says about this item. Get the answers you need. The Holy Spirit board can answer all of life's most important questions straight from the man himself. Huge 12 by 18 inch game board with beautiful artwork featuring the crucifixion and the angels of heaven. Beautiful golden magic cross planchette with metallic mirrored finish. Perfect for churches, prayer groups, or just getting together with friends. Unlike other spirit boards, this one will never contact evil ghosts or demons. So you can ask your questions with an assured safe um, uh, sense of safety. The word blasphemy is not strong enough. And none of you, I mean, you're repulsed like I was, and I don't share this to be funny. But then, how many of my brothers and sisters today, you came to chapel, and there's a heartache. Man, it's tempting you. It's tugging at you. And you didn't even think, I've got all the power I need. I've got the resource. I've got the answers. And my father. Will you ask for wisdom today? Father, thank you for being who you are to us. We're so weak. We're so temptable. But Father, today, thank you for encouraging my heart. And I pray you've encouraged your children today. Lord, there are such burdens represented by so many of my brethren today. Thank you for loving us. And Lord, 
we come asking for wisdom. In Jesus' name.